I want to start this morning by just sort of wishing you a happy new year. You're like, what? For those of us who've been in school probably too long, um, we feel like this is really the start of the new year, right? It's a new school year, people in new grades, you know, this is new program year in the church, all these new activities going on. This is, for many of us, the real year goes from now till May, the end of May, and then summer has its own, year, own season, and then we start over again. And so what we want to do, um, what we decided to do at the start of this uh, program year is to have a sermon series where we want to talk about a few things maybe to help us think about some things we want to grow on or grow in during this coming year, during this program year. And we looked at that and, and we decided lo- that we want to talk about growing in our s- spiritual lives. We want to talk about what we do with our bodies and what the sacred writings might suggest and have to do with that. And then finally, with community and with our relationships uh, with one another. So those are the next three weeks of what we're doing. But today we're talking about um, growing in our spiritual lives, in our spirits. And I want to start with a little bit of a funny caveat. Um, Just I feel like I've got to say up front. And this goes, I'm going to introduce this with sort of a funny story. About three years ago, I think it was, we elected a new bishop in the Diocese of Dallas. And during the, I was involved a little bit in that process and when the candidates, we had like four candidates were up for this, they came to this retreat where all the clergy were, and they were asked this question, what is your favorite heresy? I was like, what? I hope I never get asked that question. But I actually want to talk about my favorite heresy now that I know one today. Um, I do remember that class in seminary. But there, I want to tell, just say a word as we start this series and, we, and as we tar- start this sermon today about this one heresy that's called Pelagianism. And it goes back to a British monk um, in the 4th or 5th century who more or less said this. Now, some people have a little bit of debate about whether he really, really, really meant this. But what he sort of said, and people understand what he said, was that he only felt like God's grace was needed in giving us the law. And that we could live out the law on our own. And once we got everything sort of lined up and motivated. So there's a real sense in which what he was teaching is that you could do it yourself. Like once God's given you the law, you can do it yourself. And uh, he had some big foes, namely St. Augustine, who said, no way. Because our fall with Adam and Eve and all this other stuff, we've got to have grace from top to bottom. What I'm not saying today or during this series is that we can do all of this ourselves. So make sure you hear me not say that. But I do believe... If you're going to grow, it's not just an accident. Like I do believe that God calls you to show up and do something and we're not just going to skate along. It's not just, you've got to put some forth some effort in this thing and God will bless it. And he's sort of the the one that's going to take his grace and empower it, but we've got to do something. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. And the real question as we start this new program year in this regard is really, do you want to grow? Would if I, I mean, let's just pretend for a minute that God's using me. And I really do have some stuff that would help you grow. Do you want to grow? Are you willing to do some things to grow in your spiritual lives? Are you willing to do some things to think about how you live with your body and and what scripture says about that? Are you willing to do some things to have more connections and have more community in a deeper, deeper place there? It's going to be back in your court in just a few minutes, but that's the question. And what I want to do with the sermon today as we look at spirit is I want to um, talk about some things to avoid and I want to talk about some things to do. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of maybe combining Lent, talking about some things we're going to give up maybe and New Year's, the, the January New Year's saying here's some resolutions about some things that we do. And I'm going to spend a lot more time 
on this first part about the things we don't do because they will sap your spiritual energy and they will hold you back from growing. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on those. And I'm going to use Samson as our model for that as we think about what that is. And then I'm going to quickly turn at the end to a number of habits or some things that we could do this year that would on the, on the active side that would help us grow. But this first part is just to stop for a minute and look at Samson, right? And I want to look at a couple th- a few things with him. Samson is this great character in the Bible. He's like known as the strongest person in the Bible. You know, you've got this vision of him, but he also has some really amazing weaknesses that we're kind of looking at. And, um, you know, he's this, he's in this, as we re- talked about a few minutes ago, he's in the book of Judges. Um, you know, basically 13, 14, 15, and 16 uh, chapters of the book of Judges. He is the last of the judges before, the, before Israel has a monarch, before they have a king. He's the last one to judge over Israel, as they're called. And uh, he's a Nazarite. I'll say more about that in a few minutes. And God gave him this supernatural strength. So we hear about how he um, kills a lion with his bare hands. We hear about how he destroys a whole army of the Philistines, as we heard in our first reading today. And then later we're going to hear about how he falls. I'm going to say a few words about that in in a bit. And then he has one last moment of glory at the very end, which is complicated. I'm not going to talk about that one today, but someday. (laughs) But we talk about Samson. I mean, so get this vision of him for a minute. Like I'm thinking Dwayne Johnson kind of a thing, (laughs) you know, so he's super buffed, and he's, you've got this vision of Samson, maybe even a little bigger than that, and, um, but a spiritual weakling in a lot of ways. And he starts out his life just, everything is going great. God's given him strength. God's given him talent. God's given him all these things. Everything's going in a good direction, and then he loses his footing. And then he looks up, and he's broken. He's you know, a loser on stuff. He's, you know, he's in this terrible place seemingly all at once. He loses all his physical strength, but in his case, it's tied to his spiritual strength. And that's what I want to look at. And I want to suggest that maybe there are three different um, traps that Samson falls into. And I'm going to put these out here for us to think about. And I'm going to jump ahead and tell you, I'm going to give you some homework at the end to think about these during the coming week. But the, the first one of these is that Samson is really tied up in his own self-indulgence, his own pursuit of pleasure in a way that's sort of just unchecked. And he just put, he just puts it out there, right? I mean, some people have got, you know, you'll hear the saying sometimes where people are, are kind of going into the life of pleasure. They're looking at wine and women and making merry and music and all these other things. In Samson's case, it's like, Women, women, women. And by the time you read these four chapters, he's been with three different women. And when we get to Delilah and we talk about her in a few minutes, I mean, he looks at her and he's just, he's like a caveman. He's like, she look good. I want her, (laughs) you know, and he's, he's like, get her, you know, he's, he's, that's the way he is. And it's not that it's, it's not that ultimately if he did it in the right way, in the right place, that it would be bad. It's just sort of the moral of this is that anything out of check is going to be a bad thing. And that's kind of where he lives. Like he's not using discernment. He's not bringing this before God. He's not saying, you know, God has sort of told him at the time to have a Jewish woman. And is this a woman that's going to build you up? And is this, you know, he doesn't care about that. He sees what he wants and he's going for it. And we live in a culture, I want to suggest, that maybe encourages that same thing in us. You know, you get commercials like obey your thirst. 
you know, or you get notions of I deserve, you deserve it. You'll hear that a lot in advertising. You deserve it. You this, this, and this. And without really thinking about anything else, just go for what you want, what you think you need. And sometimes we get wrapped up in that, right? And this is just a pause to say, maybe the godly approach is to, is to suggest that we be more disciplined than that. That we stop and pray about things and seek what God's will is on different things. There are lots of different passages of scripture that I might mention here, but like one is from first Peter four, where it says, strengthen yourselves with Christ's way of thinking, live your lives controlled by God's will and not by human desire. This idea that, that maybe just cause you want it, you don't really need it. Or maybe just cause you can afford it. Um, doesn't mean you should buy it. Or maybe just cause you can do it. Doesn't mean you should. I'm not throwing stones at this, but when I heard that woman this week who set the world's record giving birth at age 74, <laughs> maybe just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. It was, the, when it was on my mind. I was busy working on this part of the sermon. <laughs> but all these different things, or just because it's pleasurable may not mean that it's good, right? These are the kinds of things. We want to bring the things before God. And it seems to be that maybe one of Samson's traps is he, do, he doesn't do this. The second thing I think you see in Samson when you read all four chapters about Samson is how much resentment he has in his life. That, and you see this particularly when you look at the 15th chapter of Judges. And you get this idea that here's a guy that just focuses on disappointment and his anger and his desire for revenge and resentment and his bitterness and his deal is always you'll hear him say again and again they hurt me first I want to get even and you'll hear him say you'll hear him say that a lot he has one occasion where he kills 30 different people because a bet went sour on him and he's going to get revenge that way and as we think about what's maybe holding us back spiritually that could help us if we could get rid of it that would help us grow this year is maybe thinking about what it is we're holding on to that way in terms of where we're still thinking in our mind, that person wronged me. They shouldn't have done that. And I someday want to get even with them or at least going to hold on and have joy and you know, have this sense of power holding on to this um, bitterness and revenge kind of thing that goes with us. But all of us, all of us get hurt in life. All of us get hurt. We all deal with pain in life and we all get pain at the hands of somebody else and if you hold on to it, it, it will hold back your spirit. And it will put you in a place of bitterness and not a place of joy. And we're going to talk in the month of October, whole month, about how we go to gratitude, which will change us that way. But right now, we're just talking about letting that go. And there are a number of passages of Scripture. And again, I could go on and on with some of these. Job has a bunch of these who is going through some great suffering. Job 5 says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Job 18, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. This idea that maybe the second piece of this that we don't see Samson do is we've got to let go and we've got to not just react with our emotional selves with bitterness and anger and our desire for revenge. The third thing that we see Samson do, I think this is the main one most of us think about. And you may think, well, how does that apply to me? <laughs> but carelessness. It's one of the things we see in Samson, and I'm going to spend some time unpacking that just a little bit. But when we get careless with our time or our money or our commitments or whatever else, we're headed in a wrong direction. 
that will pull down our souls. Now in Samson's place, let me explain this a minute. Samson had this extraordinary gift. He was supernaturally strong. And part of that was associated with this vow that, that was taken. So he was a Nazarite, which means that he was set aside in a really profound way for God's purposes. And there were two different symbols of this that were prominent. One was giving up alcohol and the other one was not cutting his hair. Right. And uh, <laughs> I never thought about Eric's working on that. You, you got a ways to go, brother. <clears throat> Although he did ride 40 miles on his bike or something yesterday. He's growing it out. But it, you weren't supposed to cut your hair. And we see Samson as he works with this, he's going to um, get really casual with this commitment. And he's going to start to toy with temptation. And you're going to see this in a number of ways. And part of the question I'm going to come back to us in a minute, this casualness, is to what extent are we doing that? But we really see this take place when Delilah enters the scene. And Delilah, so Samson's got this extraordinary strength. He's, it's symbolic of God's strength. And the Philistines are out to get him. And so they hire this gorgeous woman, Delilah, who the, the task they give her is find out what his secret to his strength is. And Samson may look like a, a dumb fool, but he's not foolish enough to not see what's happening. He knows what's happening, right? Delilah's all sweet on him, you know, spending time with him, time in the sack, the whole deal. And he knows what's going on with this, right? Because the first thing she says one night, she says, oh, sweetie, what is the secret of your strength? And he says, well, you know, the truth is, there is, if somebody were to tie me up with seven bowstrings, that'd be it. Whoa, next morning he wakes up, he's got seven bowstrings on him, and a group of guys outside the door are ready to kill him. And he breaks off the seven bowstrings, and he kills those guys. Duh, right? I mean, like, you think we know what Delilah's up to? All right, so then, next day, she's undeterred. Oh, man, that was, the, clearly that wasn't right. Why don't you tell me the real deal? So this time he says, well, if, it's, if you just wrap me up with seven new ropes, that would do it, do me in. Well, lo and behold, he wakes up the next morning, seven new ropes. <laughs> Duh. He knows what's going on here. So he breaks those. He kills the, the next set of guys. They're all waiting outside his doors. I'm thinking about the poor guards. They're like, oh, don't put me on Samson duty, man. <laughs> <laughs> And sure enough, this comes around to the third time. And each time he's getting a little closer, I think, in some ways. But now he gets to the third time, and now he's really flirting, really toying with temptation. Because now he's actually letting on, maybe it's something with his hair. And he tells her, well, actually, if you braid my hair, it'll take away my strength. So we're, now we're getting a little closer. Now we're dealing with the hair. And he wakes up the next morning, and lo and behold, lo and behold his hair's braided. Same routine. The guys are waiting to kill him. He kills them. And there we are. He just keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And, you know, part of the question for us is what thing is out there that we do that with, that we toy with? Just, you know, it's something dangerous, but you just keep taking a little bit. Your question is sort of not how do I, can I get closer to God, but how close can I get to the fire? That's what Samson's doing. You know, maybe it's flirting with somebody at work that we shouldn't flirt with. Maybe it's not being honest on some little thing you think will never come back. But it's little steps that way. And he does that. And then finally, I don't know what possesses him. He thinks he can handle it all. I don't know what he thinks. Maybe he wants to test reality. And he finally tells her, yeah, if you cut my hair off, that'll be it. And the next morning, he w same routine, but this time his hair's gone and he, he can't break the ropes. 
and they gouge out his eyes and they make him a slave and they do all the rest. And um, it's not a happy life for him. And he has this one last moment of glory where he brings down the, the temple on top of everybody. But that's where he's left. And it all starts with this slippery slope of these little things, these little things. And that's part of our question. What are those little things that we keep slipping down that are t- potentially could, instead of letting us grow this year, could bring us all the way down? So these are the three things, the three things to think about that can slip, make us slip or can bring us down or tear us down. Are we making pleasure our guide without thinking about discernment or thinking about principled living or bringing it before God or living discipline that way? To what extent are we holding on to hurts and resentments and just reacting? That brings down our souls and our spirits, you know, and, and to what extent are we toying with these dangerous things in ways that are going to burn us? Think about those. We'll come back to those. What I want to do is pivot, and I'll be much quicker in this last little bit, and just asking this question, if you came to, to a priest in, for spiritual direction and said, the next nine months I want to grow spiritually, what are most people going to say? And most of these things we already know. But it's a matter of bringing them front and center and saying, we have a new program here. Do you want to grow? Bring these into your life again or for the first time. And what we recognize is that the more these things become habit, the more they determine our character, right? Your character is formed by your habits. If you're friendly all the time is a habit, if you're kind all the time is a habit, if you're loving all the time is a habit, if you're about peace as a habit, that's your character. That's what you are. All these different things are habits. And we're talking about getting some of these habits that will really help us. The first of which is to kind of think about our role in being involved with what, what God wants to do in our lives. And I want to quote a passage of scripture um, this comes from Ephesians 6.10, which says, build up your strength in union with the Lord and by means of his mighty power. This idea that God is going to do the work, but he, you've got to show up. He's got things for you to do. Build up your strength in union with, with the Lord and by means of his mighty power. And the very first thing I would put on my list of these habits is to spend some time every day with God. For most people, this is three things. This is prayer, reading some scripture, and just having even just a few moments of silence, of quiet. Those three things will change your life. If you do those over these next nine months, you will grow. I can remember when my parents uh, went to Curcio, which is a renewal retreat in the church, and they had been Christians before, you know, raised in the church and all this. But when they came back from that, they were different. And they used to, they began to get up early and sit at a table and read scripture and pray. And we would get up for breakfast and see them there. And not only did, did they give us sort of this example, but we saw a change in them. I was like, oh, look at that. And then I can tell you this, that for me, if I plot out my spiritual life, ups and downs and how things go, we're all in this ebb and flow. If I, but I look at the one year where I had the most growth, it was a year that I first began to do the, this kind of quiet, this taking time to pray, to read some scripture and be quiet. And I don't think that's an accident. And sometimes when we find ourselves in the ditch, we look up and we're not doing any of that. So that's kind of the first thing. I want to challenge you that if you'll do that just for 30 days, 30 days, and, and then write me a communication card, I bet you you will grow in 30 days. If you will take some time, it can be short, five minutes. Read a passage of scripture, say a prayer, be quiet and meditate. Five minutes. 
You do that for 30 days, I bet you will grow. The second thing that I want to mention, none of these are difficult. They're just, again, bringing them back front and center, is the place of us gathering as a community. And I think there are two bits to this. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture. One's from Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And then again, in Acts 5, when they're talking about the early church, what did the disciples do? The disciples met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. This idea of the temple courts was sort of meeting for corporate worship. A house to house was getting together for the, sort of to pray. If we do that, we find ourselves encouraged and strengthened. We have somebody to share the loads with us when we're going through hard patches. You know, the different things that we face. And we, we, God will use it. Two or three gathered together. There I'm in the midst. All of that. A number of years ago, Justin... Uh, Brooks and I and Oliver Butler, some of y'all know know Oliver, the three of us decided for one semester we would meet for lunch and have a Bible study one day a week. And the thing that was great about it was not only learning, but having a place to share life and have people praying for you does more than just learning. There's something else. I mean, God shows up in that in ways that's just beyond the ingredients that we're putting in on that. And we've got lots of opportunities for you to, to look at our program year and see places to plug in. But you can also just find somebody, another Christian, and say, hey, just once a month, what if we were to have lunch and talk about a passage of Scripture and do some prayer? That, that will change you. Um, the final thing that I would throw out there as a habit is giving. We read this passage a, few, a number of weeks ago that it came from Matthew 6, talking about where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. We need to make it a regular part of who we are that we're going to show God that he's got a pl- you know, this important place in our lives by giving. And we live in a material world in a place that's always trying to say other, thing matter, other things matter. Your own spiritual health is improved if you can just make it a habit part of your habit is you're going to give to God's kingdom and to his glory. So I'll leave you with those, uh, these six things to think about the things don't, don't do that those things with Samson and to think about these three habits. And if you'll engage in those over these next nine months, I'm going to all but guarantee that you'll grow and you'll be strong and you'll be built strong um, in your spirit. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your love for us. You know where we are and that you call us on a journey with you. Lord, by your grace, help us to step out in faith for you, um, towards you, to know more about you, to pray more, to um, step away from these things that bring us down. Lead us and guide us by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.